0: Welcome back to React Native Radio Podcast Brought to you by the NSA We know you have some concerns And we want you to know We hear you Episode 262 Maestro with Dima Zaitsev
1: Hey Mazen, do you have your kids' songs stuck in your head right now?
0: Yes.
2: I'm actually singing Mickey Mouse Clubhouse right now instead of prepping for this podcast.
1: The Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. That's yeah, a very that good one. catchy song. Yeah.
2: <laughs> My Spotify is all out of whack. Yep. My Discover Weekly, you know, that like recommends Oh new no, songs. it's it's trash. It's, it's all. It's impossible.
1: It's all kids' songs. Yeah, yeah, don't. I used to love don't.
2: it. Now I, yeah, No. The your your Spotify the
1: recommendations are totally trash once you have a kid.
2: Yeah. I can actually hear it right now. My wife is probably feeding him lunch and has the music going on in the background. So that's probably my Spotify right now. She's messing up my algorithm. So
1: I think Jamin's long past this stage of life. Your kids probably have their own Spotify by now.
2: I, I don't even know what song you're talking about. What what song
3: are you talking about?
1: Are you familiar Mickey with Mouse, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse? That maybe
3: Sort of. Vaguely.
2: Yeah. It's my youngest is nine, so well, there's also like Baby Shark, which oh yeah, he's into oh yeah, <laughs> yeah and there's actually a version of Baby Shark that's about uh, monkeys that he loves also. So mm-hmm. yeah, we could have a whole episode about this.
3: My girls are more into Taylor Swift, but then also they weirdly are into a lot of songs that came out when I was like 20. What like
2: Backstreet Boys? <laughs> Is it coming and stuff back? Like
1: I, he- I hear the 90s are coming back around. Like fashion music it's like it's coming back
2: Didn't nsync or backstreet boys one of them go like on tour or something recently did they maybe that's yeah, why i think so one i remember vaguely hearing something that one that of that was, was my was first
1: cd tour. when i was like 10 years old oh NSYNC. okay
2: yeah
3: it's it's kind of funny because they'll just be rocking out to songs that i i listen to <laughs> <laughs> it, it just yeah it's it's fun but hopefully i can avoid mickey mouse clubhouse <laughs> it's catchy be be careful
1: you, it's kind of a I don't bop. I I think I don't know. Uh, it is. you wouldn't mind.
2: Don't play it on YouTube. I don't because, know. It seems like <laughs> yeah, it's a downward <laughs> spot or, or on Spotify. It will get stuck in your a, head, though, so yeah. maybe
1: don't.
3: Yeah, that's yeah, it just gets in the algorithm nope. and then nope. you're done. OK, well, should I yeah. do intros? Uh, I mean, we, we got to try to <laughs> keep the earworms from from spreading here. So uh, <laughs> I'm Jamin Holmgren, your host and friendly CTO of Infinite Red. I live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest with my wife and four kids. I play recreational hockey. I actually played super late last night. It was my third night in a row. I uh, started the game at 9.45 p.m. and didn't get out of there till after 11. I can't believe 11, you play hockey you know, while like I'm 11. asleep.
1: Like, how do you even have energy? <laughs> I didn't.
2: My team was supposed to play at 10 o'clock last night. And oh I told gosh, them no. I can't make it because, one, yes, I was asleep by then. And, two, I had to be up at 5 o'clock. Just, why'd you have to be yeah. up at 5? Because... Our new tenant loves to wake up at five o'clock screaming. (laughs) Our new tenant. uh, Your son. uh, Yes. That tenant. (laughs) I'm joined by my
3: amicable co-hosts, Robin and Mazen, and our guest, Dima, who I will introduce in just a second. Robin is our lead software engineer at Infinite Red. Robin recently got promoted. Congrats, Robin. She's located west of Portland, Oregon with her husband and two kids and has specialized in React Native for the past six years. Mazen lives in North- Durham, North Carolina with his wife and new tenant. He's a former pro soccer player and coach and is a senior React Native engineer also here at Infinite Red. And we also have Dima Zaitsev. He's a lead engineer at mobile.dev. He lives in Amsterdam and he kind of comes from a background of of Android development. He, for example, created Photo PhotoApparat, which is a camera library for Android, kind of a popular one, Uh, but says he does all kinds of things these days. So we're going to be diving into some of that stuff uh, as we get into it. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Nima.
0: Hello. Thank you for having me here.
3: Awesome. Can't wait to get into it. Uh, But I do have to mention that this episode is sponsored by Chain React. America's best React Native conference is back. It's happening May 17th through 19th in Portland, Oregon. We have workshops. We have lightning talks. We have some great speakers and some great talks. Uh, we're going to be going through all the CFP stuff. I think it'll be closed by the time this comes out. Sorry if you didn't get, get your uh, talk submitted. Um, I did tweet about it like 45 times. Uh, but uh, it's going to be an awesome conference. And it, I've seen some of the talks that have been submitted. And they are absolutely fantastic. You're not going to get this content at other at other conferences. This is like a lot of conferences are like React conferences that sort of bolt on react native this is all react native 100 react native first class all right let's get into our topic uh we're gonna be talking about maestro which our clever title is the absolute solution for mobile ui testing you, can you guess who came uh, up with that title <laughs> not
2: the person that delivers the yes i can jokes. guess or the person that delivers the mom jokes exactly the person who no, delivers i didn't the come jokes.
1: up with it chat gpt came up with it
3: Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> you could have All easily right. said you did, and bro. you even admit it.
1: I could not take credit wow. for a pun that punny. That's pretty good, actually.
3: All right, Dima, let's uh, let's start. Just you know, tell us a bit about yourself. What's your original background?
0: Right. Well, I am coming from uh, Android development background, something I've been doing for gosh, who knows how many years now, ten ish, until eventually. I, you know, after hopping between companies, startups mostly, Uber at some point, yeah, decided to pick up a role of developer platform engineer, if that makes sense, right? Combination of everything, Android, Mm -hmm. backend, frontend, iOS, you name it.
3: Yeah, that's fantastic. And uh, who else is behind Maestro? I kind of want to know more about the
0: team. Oh, yeah. The team is unique, I would say, in a sense that we are fully distributed across the globe. So we we have seven people and we have people in Brazil, India, EU, Dubai, United States—from yeah, I would say stellar teams.
1: That's quite an international team. Is it hard to work across that
0: many time zones? We figured it out. I would say it, it is a bit of a challenge. We need to get used to it, but uh, we do have a decent overlap in yeah. time zones, right? So mm-hmm. about two hours a day, which <laughs> <That's your laughs> also like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, also limits the number of meetings we have, right? Because you <laughs> yeah. cannot have meetings outside of this time window. So that's convenient in its own way.
1: It really forces you to like hone your async communication and written written communication, which is a good thing.
2: Absolutely, it's also good because you know, based on the countries you just mentioned, I feel like someone is always working on the product. So mm-hmm. when Rob and I, you know, when we work on Mercari, it was a team out in Japan. And when I signed off or kind of when you signed off, was kind of starting their day.
1: It was like hand off to Japan and they work all night.
2: Yeah. Like, hey, can you guys, you know, I need an API call or I need this fixed. They'll fix it. You come in the morning. There's a Slack message. It's ready to go. You implement it and you just keep rolling. There was like no, no one was really blocked. You were able to just keep moving Mm. forward.
1: Well, let's talk about Maestro. Can you give us like a TLDR? What is it? Why were you inspired to make it? for our listeners who may not know.
0: Well, now that you mentioned Chad GPT-Pan, I wonder (laughs) if I can outdo it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My story is the simplest UI testing framework there is, really. I doubt we can find anything simpler in terms of usability.
1: Having used it, and I agree. Yeah.
3: (laughs) It's not not an outlandish
1: claim. Yeah, that's not an exaggeration.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it takes literally one line to install it, and I think, What is it? Three lines to write the simplest end-to-end test, Mm -hmm. which is useful. What was the inspiration behind it? Uh, Inspiration comes from a use case of our product. Like when Mobile.dev started originally, we had a completely different product in the very beginning. And it was around measuring performance of applications. And we still do that, uh, to be fair. But when measuring performance, memory leaks, you name it, you need to navigate through your application somehow, right? And the first thing which came to mind, well, we'll just ask our customers to do it themselves. Just write the test, send it to us, we'll run it. And soon enough, we re- realized two things. Either, one, their tests are flacky. They just you know, don't work in 10% of the cases, which is decent. But when you run it on every pull request, that creates problems. Yeah. And two, uh, that is other potential customers have simply afraid of writing UI tests because it burnt, you know, uh, in the past, tried it out. Mm-hmm. they realized it was like, yeah, it didn't work for them and now they don't want to do it again.
1: Well, it's a lot of time investment for it to not work or be brittle or not effective and then you have to pivot and you've just like wasted a bunch of time. Brittle tests
3: just feel worse uh, than, than no tests at all, yeah. pretty much. Like, it just, it's just so annoying. Like, if it's going to fail... Two out of three times, which sometimes you get to that point, then it just feels like it's not worth it at all.
0: Exactly. And it doesn't have to be that way, right? Like, if I will give you an application, say YouTube, right? Say we're working on YouTube app, and we're working on a feature. It's a search feature. And if I ask you to test it, that really is open the app, tap on the search, enter the text, verify something is visible. Now try it with any testing framework out there and you realize that well so many things you need to keep in mind so many so much setup you need to go through while you know the gap between explaining it to a human being is just so big right so that's something we try to replicate with Maestro. This feeling of okay just go through the app like a user would Mm -hmm.
2: so we've used maestro and you know this next piece here that i'm going to talk about we've also you know been able to use it. But there's been a lot of buzz lately. And I I think uh, Leland, who I believe is your partner at mobile.dev, he posted a blog article about Maestro Studio. Can you explain a little bit what Maestro Studio is? And does it work in tandem with Maestro? Or is it something separate? How do the two interact together?
0: You can think of Maestro Studio as sort of lightweight IDE for Maestro itself that allows you to write tests by simply clicking on a Device screen, so it runs in your browser and comes pre-packaged with Maestro itself. So it's a part of a CLI tool, uh, which then opens on your browser. You can
3: just run like Maestro mm-hmm. Studio.
1: It's you don't you don't have to install anything new. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I tried it out on the project we're working on, and it's it's so cool. It's just mm-hmm. like you click around, and it'll show you like what you're clicking on, or you can write tests like live just to see like what they do and what works and how to get things to pass, and then just recently i know you guys released not that long ago a new version which lets you then like export what you've just created so it's it's super slick
0: yeah I- there's the same motivation behind it right can we get this tool into hands of everyone doing do you really need to be an engineer to write those tests can mm-hmm. can my product manager write it instead right right yeah that's exactly what i was just going to say
2: i think maestro studio unlocks the potential where a non-developer can come in and build it export it and then you know pretty much send it to the developers and it can kind of get committed in the code that way i think also one thing to outline is the output file is in a .yaml so i think that's something some people might be scared about specifically but i think (laughs) it's it's very simple your documentation pretty much outlines how to write each one and makes it easy and then maestro Studio just does it for you that's that's just pretty cool those that don't like YAML, use Maestro Studio.
1: <laughs> YAML has uh, pros and cons. I like it. It's nice. It's clean. Yeah.
3: That's spoken like a true lead engineer. Pros and yeah, cons. Robin. Pros and it cons. depends. Yeah, trade-offs. <laughs> <laughs> you can have a very confident wrong answer, or you can get, it depends.
0: Yeah, we got quite a lot of feedback about YAML specifically, because that's not something people are associating with Testing generally, right? Yeah. I need to write my test. It is a program which I'm writing and that's how we've been doing it for ten plus years now. Yeah. So YAML seems like a toy almost, right? Mm-hmm. But that's that's a point almost, right? Like when you are using the app, the same YouTube app, let's say, you're not writing a program, you're just right. tapping on the screen, do this, to that, that's all, right? Making it complicated is of course possible still, even with Maestro. But uh, that's something we're trying to dissuade people from doing, in a way. As well as having it in YAML allows us to do quite a lot of optimizations, which would not have been possible with a regular programming language, say JavaScript. Because we know in advance how your test will look like. You give us a whole plan. We can look at it. OK, you after tapping on this, you're going to do something else, right? We can look ahead. Mm-hmm. We can look yeah. back. We can see Understand your test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a lot harder to do
3: when you have something that's more like in JavaScript or something mm-hmm. um, that, that's very difficult to do. So one thing I want to do is sort of cast this for our audience because we, you know, React Native Radio, we, we have React Native developers. Maestro is used, Maestro can be used for React Native or non-React Native. It's just sort of like, you know, any mobile app, including built-in ones like on your simulator. You can just test, you know, if you wanted to test the setting app or whatever like you can do it so that's pretty cool it's it's across now I want you to talk a little bit Dima about the difference between Maestro and the other end-to-end testing frameworks that are popular among React Native developers so Appium is sort of like the granddaddy I don't know maybe there's some others uh, that Classic. were before it, but it's it's the one that's been around for a long time probably one of the ones that was uh causing you grief <laughs> probably you know, one of the most the annoying
1: I think I spent a week yeah. once just setting it up just setting it up, that's the problem.
3: It's like, it's very powerful, but it, it just has, I don't know, getting the developer experience to the right spot was just very difficult. Then you have Detox, which came out of Wix, which really tried to attempt uh, to, to fix the problem of flaky tests by knowing what was going on under the hood so gray box testing rather than black box testing black box being like we don't know what's going on we're just going to tap around and observe what we see gray box is like detox is like okay we we know that there's a, a a network request happening right now so we're going to we're going to wait until that network request returns and then we'll and then we'll say okay now we're ready to move on great idea in theory and we have had uh, the detox team on the podcast and you should listen to that because there's some really great stuff in there They've done some very cool work but it never quite hit, I think, for a lot of people, the promise of what we really wanted, uh, which was sort of just do your test, forget about it, and move on. For some apps, it kind of worked that way. But it didn't seem like it worked all, all the way that way. And the bigger problems a lot of times came up like, okay, we want to we want to test this in a device farm or something like that. And it wouldn't work because uh, it wasn't really designed for that. So hopefully I didn't spoil <laughs> Did too much of your, your answer, Dima. But I'd love to hear... <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear your perspective on what makes Maestro different, uh, maybe better in some ways than, than Appium and Detox. Yes.
0: Yeah, so well, first of all, I wanted to give kudos to developers of Appium and Detox because we are building on the shoulders of giants in a way, right? We, mm-hmm. They did have quite a lot of good ideas, which we, some of which we inherited, some of which we redid our way. And I guess I'll start by talking about Appium first. And what is different so you can think of apium as sort of a translator between your javascript code and actual testing framework under the hood right it takes your logic connects to the device and then delegates everything to a testing framework so it does make your test cross-platform it does make them sort of fast to compile and that's great i think that part works however fundamentally doesn't change a game, right? It still depends on, say, Espresso under the hood or UI automator or XC UI test or whatever the underlying mechanism is. Plus, yeah, setting it up a bit of a challenge. And then Detox, I think, tried to fix some of those issues. And uh, whereas they are gray box, testing framework Maestro still is a black box in a way, but they do understand more about the app, right? That's a crucial component. They already ventured into area of Okay, something needs to change fundamentally about the testing behavior itself, right? It's not enough to just trust, say, Google and Apple to uh, handle that. Unfortunately, it seems that testing has been a second thought for Google and Apple. Uh, Yes, framework sort of works. Yes, you can sort of test it, uh, test your applications, so you can sort of use it. But when it comes to answering hard questions, it doesn't handle it quite as well, like network interactions being one, right? So... Where Maestro is different is that all the brains of uh, test execution actually live in Maestro itself, so on your desktop, not on the device. Maestro tries to tr- trust external frameworks as little as possible, right? Just the bare minimum to get operations like tap, tap on a button, right? Sorry, not not even on a button tap on coordinates, screen coordinates, or input text into a field. Or give me a view hierarchy. And that's it. The rest happens within my street self, understanding what view to find, how to find it, then how to recover from a failure. Say if tapping fails, and what to do? If element is not found, what to do? Like maybe scroll. And that's what makes it fundamentally different.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Um, it feels like this is going to be the way of the future for integrated or end-to-end integration tests on mobile specifically like it this is the first time i've wanted like actually wanted to use and test like it's faced with the prospect of writing detox or appium tests it's like a chore that you you're like i should do that but you don't want to and i've like this is the first time i've ever actually had fun writing tests and i'm like okay this is really cool like i want to add these to my app so i think this is pretty revolutionary for the for the space, for sure.
3: I think that end-to-end tests in general, for me, they've always felt like the most bang for your buck if you can get them to work really well. Like, it feels like the amount of effort you put into writing an end-to-end test, you, you test so many things. Like, everything has to work together in order for it to, you know, function how it's supposed to. And it, it feels like the most pure test in a way, because at the end of the day, what matters is what the user is tapping on seeing come up right. interacting with it doesn't with.
1: matter what code is running to make that happen it matters whether it works
3: exactly you you literally could have a function that returns the wrong result but somehow gets corrected for later <laughs> in the system and the but app that's works what yeah. that's what yeah. right? your that's what your unit tests
1: are supposed to catch like that's why you yeah, have yeah unit, unit tests. tests
3: catch that but at the end of the day like does the user care no. they don't they don't care that something <laughs> under the hood is you know sort of being patched together they really just care about the end result and so it feels to me like the most pure type of test some developers would probably disagree with me they feel like you know like a function test would be the you know a unit test would be the most pure but to me i no way it's it's all about the user it's what the user is experiencing
1: i think you can have an entire suite of unit tests that are beautifully written and they all pass and your app is still broken
0: yeah uh, pe- people often talk about the testing pyramid you know you should have a lot of unit tests, then you should have slightly less integration tests and then end-to-end tests. But reality is you sometimes might flip it around, right? You will only need, say, five to 10 end-to-end tests to cover majority of your application, whereas it will take thousands of unit tests to do the same. And even then, by the end of the day, if all your unit tests are green, you're still kind of not sure whether the app is working. You still would like (laughs) to go through it by hand and test it. Uh, whereas, again, and in- the test, if it covers it, that's great, right? You have much more. Assuming it is not flaky, of course, because then trust is ruined and mm-hmm. you're no longer sure if that's just by chance that it worked this time or maybe that by chance that it failed.
1: You start ignoring the failures and then your test suite is
0: useless. Yeah, you're becoming complacent, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I wonder how much of the, like, the testing pyramid stuff is because unit tests are easier to make solid and not flaky. If it was the other way around where unit tests were more flaky and end to end were just super solid, I don't think no that would anybody write would test. write unit tests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just about the complexity of of writing really, you know, like really good end to end tests.
1: And I think I was gonna say we're simple creatures, Jamin. <laughs> we get a dopamine hit from a unit test that like you write and it goes red and then it goes green and then it stays green forever. And
3: <laughs> you know. half the time I swear developers are just playing Sudoku and getting paid for it like that's what that's they they can kind of rationalize this but it's not really helping (laughs) it's like having super super strict
2: TypeScript Uh, oh no I I pissed everybody off I love super strict TypeScript by the way side note (laughs) anyways what I was gonna say you like Sudoku too right I do and I finished an expert one last night (laughs) anyways back to what I was gonna say I I think, you know, from my experience, I've been, you know, kind of prior to Infinite Red, I spent a lot of time in startups for many years, just kind of bouncing back and forth, getting, you know, getting some off the ground to get acquired and then move on to the next one, that type of thing. And I hate to say it, but tests and sometimes documentation, you know, fell by the wayside. And to be quite frank, Appium and Detox at the time had a very high bar to get it set up initially. And it most of the time discouraged, but then once, you know, I remember one, you know, one instance where I allocated time specifically to getting detox working. I remember just getting it to work where, you know, the app loads success. And I was like, done, I'll come back tomorrow. And then tomorrow a whole other storm came up and I never got back to my detox, but Hey, my detox was still successful because I had that one that loaded the app and it was successful. Um, so I think Maestro is a big game changer and almost magic, at this point because it's a quick setup and using maestro studio which is what i had initially used to get it set up to do one or two things it was a i think it was a click and then putting in like text in an input field that took me minutes i wouldn't even go as far as saying out i mean i just talked about detox taking me a whole day to get to do one and one test i wouldn't even call it end to end just to load the app test (laughs) took me a day and this took me a couple minutes and i got it up and running so it's just that magic makes it much more valuable and make, will probably help a lot of people move faster and get that much more coverage on their app. It's great. I mean, yeah, magic.
1: I want to pivot a little bit to the technical side of Maestro and how it actually works. And Mazen correctly described it as magical, which it it is. It feels magical. I want to talk about what are some of the technical challenges that you overcame to make this work and to make a product that has such a simple input and does something so complex as like controlling an app? What's what's going on under the hood? Like, can you explain some of the magic uh, and how you made it all work?
0: Yeah, ironically, most of Maestro code base is rather simple if you look at it. And of course, yeah, it's coming from a developer, <laughs> uh, but
1: <laughs> it's a relative.
0: <laughs> you know, it's mo- it's moving data structures around. Yeah. Sure, like here's a view element. Here's how to find it. Traverse a tree. Uh, so that's, uh, all built on top of the actual magical source, so to say, which uh, are drivers, uh, as we call them and driver is think of it as a way to communicate with a device. That's a, not a new idea. We actually took it from Appium as well. Uh, driver tells you what's on the screen right now. You can ask driver to tap on the screen and the beauty of a driver, it is pr- platform agnostic, right? It, we have a single interface and different implementations for Android iOS, might have some spe- special one for React Native at some point, perhaps.
3: Is that ADB and IDB, or is that, are those different?
0: In a way, yes. ADB is, or rather, DADB is what we're using for talking to Android device. Mm-hmm. So for those who do not know, DADB is sort of a pr- programmatic access to the same features which ADB, Android Debug Bridge, provides, whereas IDB is a tool built by Facebook, actually, uh, to replicate some of the same functionality for iOS, uh, which works fairly well, uh, with some little exceptions here and there.
1: React Native uses IDB a lot, right? Like, just for various tooling.
0: Yeah, it does, yeah.
1: Launching simulators and
0: stuff. Right. Yeah, we'll talk about IDB later when it comes to supporting real devices, because spoiler, that's actually the blocker. How many that happen? <laughs> uh, but besides that, uh, possibly the hardest problem to solve for us was to get the view hierarchy from the device. And you'll discover that neither ADB nor IDB can provide a good enough source of data. So, what we figured out is well, those tools don't give that to us. However, XC UI test does, or Espresso on Android does, or UI tometer does. What if we'll write a test? Or rather, we'll call it a test. I'll push it to the device and we'll run it. And this test will never return. It will just block forever and we'll start the server at the same time on the device itself, which allows Maestro to communicate with it and actually pull the UI hierarchy information from the device. So it's sort of unconventional use of testing frameworks, so to speak. And that's where most of magic comes from, because now having this hierarchy in platform agnostic way, We can do anything with it, right? We can Mm -hmm. traverse it. We can find views in whichever fashion we would like to. We can decide how the framework itself works. Something we couldn't control if, say, we will just depend on Google's or Apple's work. Or we can surface it in a web page, right? That's where Maestro Studio actually comes in. It just takes a screenshot and takes the hierarchy and draws it on the screen.
1: It's so cool. It's like, it blows my mind every time. I'm excited to keep using it and I'm, I'm glad you guys were able to figure it out because i'm enjoying using it
2: i kind of want to go back to your spoiler about the devices but then i have a, have a more specific question do you guys foresee adding mm-hmm. the physical device support you know specifically for hardware stuff like camera
0: specifically you know having worked with camera in the past actually several years of my career is such a hard <laughs> hard yeah, problem to, to solve, <laughs> but it works. Today, it doesn't work. Tomorrow, it works on this device, but not on that device. Yeah. Uh, and the answer is yes. I mean, of course, we want to add it, and we'll get there as well. So Maestro already supports some physical devices, like on Android. It does work. Um, camera-specific functionality will add eventually. I'm sure, same as geolocation, mocking, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. Bluetooth as well, yeah. perhaps. A lot of things are possible which you haven't even started like exploring. First, we want to polish things out so that it works smoothly for anyone on any machine. We know that you know, Windows users are having a harder time to set it up. Unfortunately, it's not quite as magical yet. Uh, <laughs> so once all those rough, rough edges are addressed, I'm sure yeah, we will tap into more sophisticated problems.
2: Cool. So basically, iOS... And Android simulators and then some physical Android devices will work. That's right.
3: So I was talking with Leland uh, from your team there, and I've been getting into a lot of AI stuff lately, and as a lot of people have. ChatGPT. ChatGPT and OpenAI and and some of the stuff coming out of Google. And there's a lot of really fun, interesting, uh, very exciting things kind of coming out right now. And I could envision a world where, you know, you could, instead of writing YAML, you could write plain text, like, you know, just click this, you know, like you could literally write it like you would, you know, talk to someone. Uh, How would, how would you write it in English for a manual QA tester? You just type that out and have them do that. And Leland was like, well, we could do that. And we could also just have you just push a button (laughs) and have it explore your app. And I thought that was pretty cool. So. Uh is that something that it would be on the road roadmap? Like, you know, hundred percent automated testing, have it just explore your your app and kind of learn on its own what your app does?
0: Well, that would be a lie to say if I haven't <laughs> thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yes, with all seriousness, that is the next step, Hussein, right? Mm-hmm. As I was mentioning earlier with YouTube applications as an example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can describe you how to navigate through the app and YAMLs, just one format, of course. Yeah, can also yeah. do natural language processing and parse that. But ideally, right, if you are a user and I give you an application, YouTube or whatever else, you can probably figure out how to use it without me explaining, as mm-hmm. well as just generally understand if it's broken or not, right, if it is behaving as intended or not. That's a future where I think mastery is heading and the testing in general, where Apart from manually crafted tests for the you know, uh, most business-critical use cases, you would have some sort of a crawler which goes through your app understands where can it go, right? What can it do? And you just give it a general context. Okay, here's a username and a password and then the rest you figure out.
3: Yeah. yeah, it might have some guardrails like, hey, don't go delete your account or something. But otherwise, uh, here are some general ideas of what you might want to try to achieve with the app. And it just goes and kind of figures out how to do it, and then reports back if it if it runs into road roadblocks and things like that. It would be kind of interesting not to get too far afield, but it'd be interesting to even get it to the point where it could detect like human user experience issues. You know, like it's hard to figure out how to do this, <laughs> and the the AI is mm-hmm. figuring that out. But this is all way down the road. Obviously, right now you're focused on more the the programmer. Uh, interface, the Maestro Studio side side of things, uh, all the AI stuff that I'm thinking about is a ways out.
1: I think, like you mentioned, you're you're trying to get the the basics to work really solidly and consistently, and I think that's smart to sort of build this foundation of trust first and get a lot of buy in from the developers, and then you'll have that foundation for when you start doing bigger and better.
0: Yeah, and for all the listeners out there, as I mentioned. Maestro under the hood, if you exclude the driver, which you never need to touch yourself, it's actually not that complicated to use, right? You can look into source, you can find the Maestro class. It's literally called Maestro class. <laughs> and, and it gives you the view hierarchy. It gives you everything is on the sc- that is on the screen. You can tap on it. You can do whatever you want. And if you just feel like it, maybe you will be the one building it, right? Maybe you'll figure out how to automate it, mm-hmm. how to build AI around that. That's also there, They're ready to be used. YAML is just, like, one way to use it, but under the hood, everything is just calling Maestro class.
2: Oh, yeah,
1: YAML is just a way to communicate a bunch of data.
0: So,
2: kind of wrapping up this conversation, Dima, what do you think is next for Maestro and Maestro Studio? Like, what is the grand vision that you're, you're, you guys are trying to get to?
0: As I was mentioning before, reliability as a whole, I feel, as a former Android engineer, I feel is a second thought for Google and Apple, that's not casting a shade, I think it's just reality. And we would like to close that gap as a whole, right? Not just testing, but other areas as well. So I want Maestro to become, and Maestro Cloud to become sort of a hub for everything reliability-related in your application sync, screenshot testing, or Mm mocking network connections, right? Feature flags, dynamic configuration, performance monitoring, and so on. And so forth.
3: Yeah, it's a big vision. Uh, You all are doing great work, though, and you've been very accessible. We've asked questions. You've been very on top of things. When we had any sort of, you know, we had some issues. I think early with a few things that maybe weren't completely um, implemented, and you all just like released them within (laughs) a week. It was crazy, like how fast you turned some things around for us, which was really cool. One of our biggest apps actually has already moved to Maestro from mm-hmm. Detox, and their their Detox uh, test suite was kind of just not working. They just, literally, they just didn't run it because it wasn't working. It was very, very difficult to get it running. And they were so happy with Maestro, they switched over to it, and they're in the process of converting all those tests over.
2: So, And I can even say that an even bigger client that I'm currently on, I'm in the process of prepping a Maestro demo for them and... I'm very excited for it because I think once they see it, they've, they've, I mean, the first meeting we had about testing was, okay, so what's our detox strategy? I was like, let me blow your minds. (laughs) Let me blow your (laughs) minds and show you something So they were like, all right, show it, give us a demo and we'll go from there. And I'm very excited because, you know, when I get to it, they're going to realize the amount of time it took me to get to the demo is so much less than the detox roadmap that we had planned. So...
1: I feel I'm kind of bad excited. for the detox folks.
2: I, it's not casting any shade. It's just, you know, there's, there's different work. tools. It's,
1: yeah, it's a different yeah.
2: tool. Yeah. It's a hard
3: problem. It is. It's an thing. incredibly yeah, it's hard problem. It's a very problem. difficult problem. And, and you know, as Dima said, like standing on the, the shoulder of giants, we always have things come out that are, that are based on previous things and, and kind of build on those. Um, and uh, so, Dima, you're going to have to go to Wix and uh, convince them to start using Maestro internally. That would be a huge <laughs> cue. <laughs> Uh, but I, I do, we do have to wrap up here. It's been fantastic. Dima. I really appreciate having you on, uh, and you know, of course, uh, all the, all the best of luck with, with Maestro and Maestro studio. If you'd like to nerd out more about Maestro, you can join our Slack community at community.infinite.red. We have over 2000 React Native developers in there. There are already some conversations happening about Maestro in that, uh, community. Of course, um, actually, Dima, where, where can people find, uh, you know, communicate with, with you all over there at Maestro?
0: We have a Slack channel dedicated to Maestro as well with almost a thousand Perfect. members. So we can ask questions. We try to reply or go to GitHub and open an issue. We reply to those as well. But Slack is preferable.
3: <laughs> Fantastic. And where can people find uh, the the mobile.dev team on Twitter, Dima?
0: Our handle is mobile. Underscore, underscore, def. That's two underscores.
3: Perfect. Yeah. More more underscores. More uh, more fun. Uh, you can find Robin, our new lead software engineer at Infinite Red, at Robin underscore heinz. She only has one underscore, but she's still cool. <laughs> you can find Mazen at Mazen Chami. Neither Mazen nor I have underscores at Jamin Holmgren. And of course, you can find React Native Radio at React Native RDIO. Thanks so much to our guest, Dima. Uh, for joining us today. And as always, thanks to our producer and editor, Todd worth our assistant editor and episode release coordinator, Jed Bartoski, our designer, Justin Husky and our guest coordinator, Derek Greenberg. Thanks to our sponsor chain react. Check it out. ChainReactConf.com. Hopefully we'll get some folks there. Maybe from the Maestro team. That'd be awesome. Special thanks to all of you listening today. Make sure you subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you prefer subscribe on all of them you know hey we like the uh, we like the the numbers right we're well over 5000 now i should actually I, I should actually like figure out what the actual number is now robin do you have a mom joke to send us out in style
1: i do uh this one's courtesy of gantleboard the one and only uh how do 37 math petitions ride a bus with 36 seats they carry the one <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh
1: Uh, Oh, you love them. You know it. All right.
3: (laughs) See you all next time. Bye.